Welcome to Rooster and the Devil, where we give you the American's perspective on English Premier League soccer, with hosts Brad Tyndall, Jimmy Karn, and Mike Steenstra. Welcome back to Rooster and the Devil. We are uh, happy uh, today to have uh, OneGoal.us um, back on with us for an interview. Uh, we've got Felix and Rohan from OneGoal.us. They do a weekly newsletter comes out on Tuesday. Is that right, boys? Yes, sir. Yeah, it's, it is fantastic. I recommend everyone listening uh, subscribe. Um, you can go to onegoal.us and uh, put in your email, and they will send you a amazing weekly newsletter every Tuesday with uh, everything U.S. men's national team, U.S. men's uh, youth players, um, etc. Uh, it is, indeed. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, Felix Rohan, how you guys doing? Doing well today, you know. It's it's Tuesday night, but you know we're we're rolling through here, uh, just kind of trying to collect notes on how the Gold Cup went, and you know we're excited to be here with you guys talking uh, about USMNT today. Fantastic, yeah. So uh, without without further ado, uh, um, you guys are our US men's national team experts, and considering that the Gold Cup final was on Sunday, we want to bring you guys back in and kind of talk about. Um, uh, just kind of recap it for us real quick. Like, uh, you don't have to go game by game if you don't want to, but just overall, how do you guys, uh, think the U S team did, um, for this gold cup cycle? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, I think there were a lot of ups and downs. I think we saw some real highs, especially in the game against Trinidad. Um, even Jamaica looked really good through some stretches but then we saw some real lows. I'm thinking of Curacao, for example. I actually thought the final, the USMNT did pretty well. Um, the results, obviously, not what we were looking for. But, you know, from a determination performance and some individual guys, um, I think that's something to build on. But there are a couple of concerns. I mean, one of the main ones is, and, and we've at one goal, we've been Burhalter. I don't want to say fans, but supporters through this transition but just some of his lack of in-game ability to adapt to place was really concerning to us. Um, but overall, I think it was a mixed mixed tournament. Um, I think it does set the foundation to kind of build upon and really get some of the younger guys into this into this team. So I don't want to overvaluate the Gold Cup um, because it was so mixed. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, you know, it's not it's not the full the full complement of players that uh, the U.S. will have at their disposal. Um, you guys talked about Burhalter. I know that he took you know some heat um, you know early on for you know uh, not not being flexible tactically, but you know um, the you know the final game losing to Mexico some questionable questionable substitutions. Um, How did you guys feel about? Um, some of the subs that he made at the times that he made them in that final. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'll start first and Rohan, you can jump in on on the subs specifically. But I actually thought the tactics for the game was pretty good, right? So you had Pulisic playing almost like a second striker for much of the game, well, basically letting him run at the Mexican center backs, 
which worked well. I mean, I think he was in front of goal 1v1 with the keeper in the first 10 minutes. Um, so I was pretty surprised and happy with how they approached the game at first. I think where Berhalter started to maybe lose the game a little bit was when he didn't adjust at halftime, right? You saw the Mexican winger, and the name escapes me right now, Rohan, but he switched sides and didn't run at Cannon anymore, but took on Reem, and that was just a really obvious change they did. It worked really well, but Berhalter couldn't adapt. Then when you go down a goal, even though you had the better chances throughout much of the game, you put on Lovitz with 10, or 10 minutes to go. It's just, it's, it's tough to swallow as a fan. But I don't think all things were bad. Um, you know, that kind of said, the subs just didn't make any sense to me. I don't know how you feel about it, Rohan. Yeah, the subs were, were difficult. Um, I think when he threw on Roldan, he was probably looking for a little bit more aggression. But, I mean, for the sounder, center mid player. So putting him out on the wing and, and having him just try and be another outlet to, to swing in crosses or, or to just kind of drive at defenders, it, it's not really what he's best at. Um, and with Lovitz coming in, okay, he's maybe a little bit more attacking than Reem, that's for sure. But when you're 1-0 down in a Gold Cup final, two naturally defensive-minded players coming on is, is not what's going to win the game for you. So it, it, we were scratching our heads. And I mean, especially when you have Tyler Boyd on the bench. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, Tyler Boyd, I mean, he was kind of left out of a few games before, and uh, but you know, without a doubt, how he's been performing in Turkey, his even when he was with that team in Portugal uh, before he was loaned out, and what we saw in the in the his two goal performance, he was probably what we need because he he was just not afraid to just. Rip- yeah, uh, I think that it was it was interesting, right? Like, I mean, you guys mentioned the Tyler Boyd thing. Um, you're, you're right. I mean, Roldan is more of a center mid. Uh, it, it was it was interesting that you know after the first couple games, I know that um, you know defensively he hadn't been as strong, but like you know if you're pushing for a goal, why wouldn't you want you know that that pace um, on the on the outside? I, I thought that it was. Um, you know, uh, armchair, you know, armchair coaching here. Um, I thought that was interesting that they didn't, you know, go that direction. Um, how do you guys feel about Jordan Morris and, you know, the impact that he had? Because he essentially took Boyd's starting spot. Yeah. So, again, pretty mixed feelings here because I think in the game, which game did he start? He started against Jamaica. Um, and I thought he had a really good showing against Jamaica. Um, so just for clarification, we aren't super big Jordan Morris fans. So after we saw him play well against Jamaica and really combine well with Reggie Cannon on the on the right wing, um, you know he he the the one the one advantage he has over Boyd is that he's probably works a bit harder defensively. Um, he's a robust player. It's hard to shake him off the ball. So we thought he did pretty well against Jamaica. But then against Mexico, I mean, I thought he was the worst player on the pitch. Um, so it's just so many ups and downs. And I don't want to just, you know, shake this up and, you know, say it's because he plays in the MLS. But he doesn't have high competition on a regular basis. You know, I, I think there is some potential for him to be a better player. But he just needs to find some consistency. Yeah. Well, do, you think he's, do you think he's out of position, though, like playing on the wing? Like, I mean, when he was coming out of Stanford, right, he was a, he was a striker before that, that injury. Am I, am I wrong? 
Yeah, he he did play striker, but I feel like he's he's often employed on the wing as well uh, with the Sounders. So I'd be surprised if he hasn't learned that ins and outs of that position yet. And again, I think he brings the defensive element that's needed in that position. I don't mind him playing on the wing, especially because I thought he combined pretty well with Cannon for, for a lot of the stretches, right? Because what you see Morris do is he kind of has the natural instinct to drive in. So he makes some, makes some driven runs into the center of the pitch, which leaves a ton of space for Cannon on the right side. Um, so I didn't, I didn't mind him on the wing. I just thought he just flat out wasn't good against Mexico. Mike, Bradley, Michael, hello, welcome. Hey, uh, so I've been kind of driving the questions. Um, Brad, you've been listening. Um, I know you, you had some specific questions that you wanted to ask uh, our U.S. men's national team experts. Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess you know, my main question was the substitutions, and you guys kind of covered that at the top. Um, and then the other one was also whether the tournament was a success overall. I mean, you look at it and you've got – You've got a 1-0 loss um, to Mexico in the final. I think with the mixed bag, as you said, um, some games looking great, some games not so much. Um, I, I kind of agree with you guys, I guess would be my only comment. I, I think it's a relative success, but um, the consistency isn't necessarily there. And then I also wanted to ask about just a random tactical question um, because I'm probably only six, seven years into following the Premier League at this stage. But, you know, Pulisic not getting a lot of touches in the second half. Was that just me, or is that something consciously done by the defense? Is it a, a, a result of Berhalter's system based on the game situation? Um, yeah, just kind of curious what you guys thought about that. Yeah, I mean, Rowan, you're the Premier League expert, but I'll, I'll speak to this game here. I thought Berhalter played Pulisic up really high on the field. I think he played like a second striker for much of the game. I think that sort of limited his touches, but what it did do is it allowed him to run in behind the Mexican, you know, back line, while Josie was maybe the forward that kind of checked to the ball a little bit. So in the sense that the U.S. wasn't dominating possession in that game, it's going to naturally limit how often Pulisic gets on the ball. Um, So I think that's a big factor on it. He wasn't dropping back and looking for the ball like maybe a traditional center mid would or like how he has done it in the past. So I think that's the biggest difference between his game, but I think it was tactically. But I I think that, and you can talk about the Premier League in a second, but I think that brings up the second biggest concern on the tactics is he left McKenney and Bradley to do pretty much 2v4 defending in the midfield. And McKenney can handle a lot, but he can't do that with Michael Bradley, who arguably shouldn't even be playing there anymore. So that'd be my only concern on the tactics. I actually did like the move with Pulisic up top. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. And I think like when he's playing in the Premier League, he's probably going to be back out on the wing. That's where he's had the most success with Borussia Dortmund. That's where you know you've seen him... When he would drift out uh, in the Gold Cup onto the wings, he was swinging in great crosses for... Aaron Long's goal, it was a pinpoint cross he swung in. He, he does his most... goal, too. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's where he's... I think he's at his absolute best. Um, Berhalter's maybe trying to see if he can get the most out of him because he's so good at, as Felix was saying, driving and, and keeping the ball at his feet and just being able to take defenders one-on-one. Uh, so another outlet for that in the center is probably why Berhalter put him there, but... I still think he's the best out on the wing. I've got a question about McKenney, and it seems like Schalke, his club team, kind of plays him all over the field. What position do you think he's naturally best at? 
I think he's the best box-to-box midfielder we have, hands down. I think he's a born box-to-box midfielder. I mean, he is so good at winning the ball back, um, it's kind of unreal. Um, I think that's his by far best best ability. And then the other thing that he can do for you is he's surprisingly good at running in behind back lines too. He's really good. Um, he has those driven runs, and he's physical enough to get past defenders, and he can win headers. It's kind of it's it's kind of like how the the goal who who did they score against after the Pulisic cross who who was that Rohan, but Pulisic crossed it to McKenney he headed it home, it was after McKenney made a long run from the center of the field mm-hmm. into an attacking position, so I think he's a born box to box midfielder, I don't I'm not a big fan of Schalke using him as a right back or even as a striker, and I think that club had a lot of problems just last season generally. So hopefully with a new coach, we can see him play in one position and one position only for this season. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he's got a lot of aggression as a part of his game. And, and we saw some of that passion against Mexico. I mean, it was like reminiscent of Clint Dempsey just getting in there, getting in players' faces, standing up for his teammates. I mean, I just absolutely love that. Dude, he reminds me of Jermaine Jones in a way. Yeah. That game was awesome. Set aside the fact that we lost... It's just cool to see U.S. Mexico play in that kind of stage again. Well, it, it, it's it's fun and it's exciting. You know, it's the first like real like I mean, for all the games that they played in the Gold Cup, it was the first real competitive game, right? That they've had under Burhalter, like the real, you know. Um, I mean, Jam- Jamaica is solid, but like they're not they're not Mexico by any means. So it was the first like litmus test. And we've kind of danced around the question, but I mean, for you guys, like yes or no, was the Gold Cup? Was this tournament a success for the United States? Ah, <laughs> I, ah, I struggle with that question. I'm, in, I'm inclined to say no. I mean, I think you asked me what is a success or who would you expect to win the Gold Cup when I was on a couple weeks ago, and I said the U.S. And I still think with the player pool available, the U.S. should win the Gold Cup. You know, losing to Mexico in a final 1-0 where you had the better chances, it happens. Um, but it's more so that they didn't show up in the smaller games against Curaçao and maybe the way that we wanted the, the, the team to play. Um, I do think there's some real winners of the tournament. I think we saw Pulisic showed up big time. I think McKenney took on a leadership role. Reggie Cannon was probably discovery of the tournament for the U.S. Aaron Long really came back at center back. So there are a lot of positives to take. I think right now the most important thing, though, is to say, look, this was fine, and this was the last cycle of maybe some of the older guys getting a run out, but let's get some of the young guys in there. Get Josh Sargent in there, get Timo Weah in there, and really build the core around Pulisic and McKenney as the leaders of the team. Did you guys cover Josie at all? No, we have not. Go ahead, go ahead and ask I mean, Josie. I, I know you, uh, Mike, Mike loves I, Josie. I was a Josie <laughs> hater for a while, but I thought, especially in the Mexico game, he was finally using his body correctly. The chance that he created was just a brilliant chance created. Of course, the finish was lacking, but what was your opinion of Josie? Yeah. Yeah. Jo- Josie was on something in those in those first, like, 15 minutes. He was, he was all over the place. Like, he... Yeah. It was crazy. Like he he had great hold up play. He was he was aggressive. Good first touches. He had on that Pulisic chance. He actually had great control and a nice uh, kind of layoff yep. pass to yep. Pulisic. Um, 
And then he had like a crazy like tackle, which was pretty. I think it was mistimed, but oh, it was horrific. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was, uh, no cards. We should have got a few cards uh, in the first half. Even Pulisic. Oh yeah, that was a oh, that's yeah. a nice tackle. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think the ref left his cards at home, and he and he just didn't want to pull them sure. out. <laughs> we did get choked, and that didn't get a card. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, just on Josie though. I thought it was like maybe the most incomplete performance you could wish for for okay. a striker, right? He had some really good moments, but what you really want from your striker is to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, like in Zardes. the end, I think that's what. <laughs> I mean. You know, we we personally don't like Zardes at yeah, all. But he if he gets hit in the if he gets hit in the you know face with the ball and the ball goes in, I'll take that in a Gold Cup final over a great play and missing the shot. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that you talked about Tyler Boyd already because you talked subs. Yeah, we we mentioned him uh, before we go too far away from Josie, like. I think, you know, going forward out of this, you know, I, I think that there's some, you know, striker is definitely a position that we're going to have to address, right? I mean... We have like, options. I mean, we're going to have to seriously... We do, we do have some young options, and we got to start blooding them, but um, if nothing else from this tournament, you can at least say that, you know, Josie is a great super sub to have on the bench at some point, or like, at least, at least the way the team's constructed right now, because he does look great for 20, 30 minutes. I just don't think he has legs to play a yep. full international competitive match anymore. Yeah, I would agree with that. Interesting. So what other MLS guys do you like that you think could be in the men's national team picture here in the next, like, one to two years? Some of the ones that weren't yeah. called up yet? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, so, I mean, I think, so the one thing that jumped out, so I'm going to just touch on Reggie Cannon real quick because he wasn't on our list Um as much before this tournament, but I think he permanently played his way into the squad. Yeah. So are you, are you talking about strikers specifically? Uh, no, in general. No, just in, in general. general. Just MLS guy. Okay. We, we're not educated on MLS in the podcast because we like Premier League, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I get that. I think... So I think there's, another, there's a couple other guys, right? So I think one of the biggest, biggest uh, problems with the national team has been the, the fullback positions outside of Yedlin and you know you could play Tyler Adams there but we all really hate that there's not much there's not much after that so I think one of the maybe overlooked guys might be George Bayo on Atlanta United he's injured right now but kind of a really big talented left back I would throw him in there for sure I think Paxton Pomical is sort of an obvious one but he's for sure gonna be making that jump to the senior team soon I think you actually have someone like Jeremy Ibobise on the Timbers. He looks pretty interesting because he gives you sort of a, an ability to play up top, but also on the wing. And he's been actually pretty clinical in front of goal. Um, other than that, you know, you got maybe someone like Miles Robinson. Yeah. But honestly, I, I think there's better center backs in our squad, even like a Chris Richards from Bayern Munich. So those are probably the main guys we're looking at that, that haven't really made the full jump yet. Now, personally, I kind of like Brian White. He's yeah, Maybe it's a little early to, to, to make that claim for the USMNT, but um, he's been on fire for the Red Bulls in the absence of Bradley Wright Phillips, who's been injured. Um, you know, he's got probably got to get a few more games under his belt and a few more goals under his belt before, you know, we can seriously start talking about him. But there are some 
good young American uh, forwards in MLS, which... But, I mean, in a way, that's, like, the sad reality, right? You you hit five, six, seven goals in the MLS, and you're automatically a contender for a U.S. national team striker spot because our depth in that position is just uh, so thin. Yep, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a sad I, point, but I, it's true. That, that's, my, that's my one, like, big, you know, uh, you know frustration with Burhalter is that, you know, he loves his guys from ML, like his Zardes and, and Will Trap, um, you know, his Columbus guys. Um, and I think that he might be loyal to a fault in that sense. Um, I, I personally don't like Zardes or Trap for that matter, but I mean, you and many other yeah, people, we're, we're MLS haters. We're known MLS haters on this well, pod. Probably. I, no, I, 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 I want it. I want it noted that I've been trying like the last two years. I've been like very consciously trying. Like I, I pull up the schedule and I try to watch games when I can. Um, uh, what's, uh, uh who did Atlanta design? Emerson Heinemann? Hinman? Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, how how do you guys how do you guys see that that move? Because you know he was he was overseas. He comes back. He's probably gonna get more game time now playing MLS. Is yeah, he I mean, anybody that could play his way into that picture. I, it's tough to say because he barely got any playing time at Bournemouth. Um, I think he just was someone who didn't fit into the squad because maybe there was too much center mid competition. I think you had uh, Jack Wilshire there and a, and a few other players, Wilshire. but um, yes, yeah. <laughs> Jackie Wilshere. Yeah. Dude, but getting getting playing time on Atlanta won't be easy. I mean, that squad isn't that bad. And I think the one thing I'd say about the MLS, I think we come from the same perspective. We have a, I don't want to say negative bias to it, but with people like Tyler Adams making the jump abroad, there's rumors about Mihailovic making that jump soon. There's no, I, there's no doubt that the league is getting better. It's just that should our best USMNT players be playing in the MLS? Probably not. But can it become a good development league? I think yes. Well, yeah, I mean, Atlanta has been, like, the the perfect model for that, right? Like, uh, you know, a lot of teams now, instead of being, like, hey, we want to be the retirement league, they're like, hey, we want to be the development and sale league. And, yep. you know, bringing up players like Almiron and, and uh, um, Barco for Atlanta, like, he can't be in Atlanta for too long. He's going to be going overseas at some point. Um, you know that model is exciting to me. Like if you're gonna, if if more teams adopted that model, that would make that way more watchable for me in that sense. Um, that having been said, like I, I we went, um, Brad and some friends and I went to the Chicago Fire LA Galaxy game last year just to see Zlatan because it's Zlatan. But um, uh, I think that you know for the health of the league overall to adopt that model of that you know building that young talent, um, there's nothing wrong with that even if you can't keep them. So. Oh, absolutely. And I think there's several of those guys that could make the move abroad to Europe, you know, soon. So I think it's just a matter of getting that jump started and making that the norm, you know. You need two or three guys to follow the Tyler Adams move pretty quick here. So, and maybe Pomi Call is one of them. Uh, t- Tyler Adams, um, before we get too far away from uh, Gold Cup stuff, um, so if Tyler Adams and Dwayne Holmes are healthy and available in this tournament, do we lose one nothing to Mexico in the final? I don't think no. so. <laughs> I don't think so because we got overrun in the midfield with Pulisic as a second striker. You put Holmes there instead of Bradley, and that problem solved. And 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 you got Adams there too now. It's just uh, I don't know. It, it it becomes a different team real quick with a couple of tweaks. 
Yeah, and Adam... Yeah, and Adams McKenney Holmes midfield does not get overrun by Mexico. Absolutely it's, it's, not. You've got Adams who can cover so much space defensively, making interceptions. McKenney being able to drive the ball from defense to attack, and Holmes who is also a fighter too. That's a very aggressive midfield, which would actually I would love to see against Mexico, and it's a pity well, we weren't able to. And you get Pulisic out on the wing. I mean, it, exactly. it becomes a different squad. We're we're saying we're saying Adams midfield right, but like you know if he hadn't got if he if he hadn't got hurt he was playing right back in this tournament like that mm-hmm. and like you wouldn't you wouldn't have you know the the Reggie Cannon you know discovery in that sense. No, it's um, a great point, and maybe that's the the best thing to come out of this entire entire tournament. And Adams not playing in it, maybe Reggie Cannon becomes a legit option at right back that Berhalter actually likes. It seems like he doesn't really see Yedlin as a right back. So, you know, if if Cannon allows Adams to play in the center, then I love you love Cannon. his passion. You know, like I I love that he's just holding on to McKenney after that goal. Like, he's got some fire. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So, have we exhausted Gold Cup at this point? I think I asked all the questions I wanted to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, I I am. Uh, I was I was definitely frustrated, but you know that's not unnormal. I mean, we we're we're one in five against Mexico in Gold Cup finals. Sure. So, so what are we jumping to next? Uh, uh, women's. Uh, let's let's ask him about some. Uh, I want to ask him about okay, players abroad. Yeah, sure. I'd, I'd like to stay men's national team. Like uh, Jonathan Aman. Um, uh, you guys had some news about him recently, correct? Yeah. I mean, so I think the club Bruges interest was well-known, but we've heard that a couple of Bundesliga clubs are looking at him. I mean, Mainz has a long history of buying uh, players out of the Danish league, so that wouldn't surprise me. And Union Berlin, I mean, I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with the Bundesliga, but they're not well-equipped at all to handle that game, that speed. So it's not surprising that they're probably looking at getting some wingers in there. I'd really love for Jonathan Amon to go to the Bundesliga. I think it's going to be a good good spot for him, um, probably get some playing time. It's a good league where he can build as a player physically and tactically, and I think him running at defenders 1v1 would be pretty interesting to see. I've got a very random question about him. How did he get to, to the Danish leagues? I don't know. Do you know that, Rohan? No, I, I actually i am not familiar. That would be a good uh, topic for yeah. the newsletter, which I love your newsletter. Yeah. Your newsletter is so good. Yes. Thank you for doing that. Dude, yes. appreciate awesome, it. Man. We're actually yeah, trying to figure out, you know, if, you know what people like and don't like about it. So any feedback, always appreciate it. Yeah, we threw out a survey yeah. in the most recent oh, one. Oh, yeah, I'll try so to take it. I saw you guys that. want to take a look at that? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, let's, let, let's take a second to shout that out again. Uh, that newsletter can be found at onegoal.us. A weekly newsletter comes out every Tuesday. Uh, fantastic. It's Everything that, they, uh, they They call yeah, out it's, player it's, it's, profiles of, uh, you know, players of the week in MLS and abroad and... They just do such a good job of breaking down young U.S. talent, and it's the best thing I've read about the yes. team. So. so so if you're listening and you're not already subscribing to that, go to onegoal.us and subscribe to that. Um, so speaking of Bundesliga, I uh, saw t- uh, you know, this week Zach Steffen getting loaned to uh, Fortuna. Um, unpopular opinion, I don't think that he's – I think he's a good shot stopper, but I think that he's still shaky in some of his game. Do you think that there's room for growth there, or is there somebody else that can challenge him for that top spot? Yeah, I mean, I 
him going there, I, I don't know that he has the number one spot locked up. Um, so Dissledorf has a player, Renzing. He's been there for a long time. I, I don't feel so crazy now saying that I uh, that he isn't like I feel like everyone I talk to is like oh yeah he's you know he's our number one guy going forward and I don't know that I necessarily see that I'd like to see it. Have you told them that you're a goalkeeper by trade? Yeah, you're a goalkeeper, Jim. It's a resident goalkeeper. Yeah, I I think we we personally like Ethan Horvath a lot. I mean, he he was playing in the Champions League, pulling off incredible performances against teams like Dortmund and Atletico Madrid. Um, it's it's it sucks that he he had a hand injury before this World Cup or sorry Gold Cup, but um, yeah, we think like maybe you know going back to the friendly right before the Gold Cup where Stefan had that you know horrible mistake with that pass straight to the straight to a forward on Venezuela. I mean, does Burhalter think twice then when he's got a, a, a goalkeeper who's playing in Europe with Champions League minutes also in the lineup potentially? Yeah, um, I think I would just say though I'm not worried about our goalkeeper position. That's probably the position I'm least yeah. worried about. I mean, you have Stefan or Horvath. I think either of them will do a good job, and both of them are still young, especially for goalkeepers. I mean, I think they're both 24. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's yeah. still plenty of time for them to grow. Yep, I, 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 everyone just talks about how good of a sweeper keeper he is. You know, so good with his feet, and I, I watch, and yes, he makes a couple of good like. You know, passes and sometimes he makes some real boneheaded passes, and it drives me nuts. If you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna play that style, you got to have the right right guy. Yeah, um, I think you got to be willing to kick the ball out of your own box at some point, right? Like if it's not yes. working, just kick it out. You don't have to do it every time. What do you think oh. about John Brooks? I think he's the leader in the back. I think he'll be he'll continue to be the leader in the back. I think the real question is so. I think the biggest question on Brooks is, can he stay healthy? That's my biggest concern on Brooks. Because I think if he's healthy, he's in the lineup, hands down. He's going to be the leader of the back line. I think the, the better question is, who plays next to him? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I see a neck-and-neck race. You can put Long in there, Miazga in there, Zimmerman. I would throw Carter Vickers in there. And then you got Chris Richards coming up. So I think that second spot is really up for grabs, and, and Brooks is kind of sitting good in that in that lead role. Uh, uh, Carter Carter Vickers Carter is a Rickers. good one for our two uh, yeah, Tottenham he made fans me smile here. When he uh, said that, but it, it sounds like he's going well, out of here. He's on the uh, yeah the you can take list. Getting sold. Highest yeah. pass percentage completion percentage in the championship, by the way. Cameron Carter Vickers, yes, sir, ninety-two percent. Boom. I, I would like to see like not not to dig at my Tottenham uh, counterparts here, but I would love to see him go to a different club in the Premier League. You know, yeah, um, even a smaller club where he can play every you know, week in and week out. I think that would be huge from for him. a U.S. men's national team perspective. That's the best thing that could happen. Yes. That he's loaned to a smaller Premier League club. Yeah, yeah. or any top five league, man. As long yeah. as he plays in a in a competitive league, that's that's all we can ask yeah. for. I think. So. Uh, Speaking of Premier League, I think it's a little tough for me to get on the phone with the Rooster and the Devil as I am a Arsenal Ooh. fan for 15 years. <laughs> now you're talking. <laughs> it's, it's, Tindall, why don't you fire us? Yeah, yeah, coming think, from. We'll, let's go right down yeah, to Arsenal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Here no, we no, go. Nothing, uh, nothing scathing. I'm, I'm genuinely curious about, A, real quick, um, what did you think of the first year for your... You're Mr. Emery there. 
Um, overall, would you say success, failure, progress? And then with regard to the club as a whole, I think they just hired – who did they just hire, guys? Help me out. Um, I, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Edu Gaspar as yeah. the uh, – he was a former Arsenal player who's now our technical director, which is a relatively new position for us kind of in the management structure. When we had Arsene Wenger, it was like Wenger had complete control. He had a lot of influence in transfers. He had a lot of interest in player negotiating their contracts. Uh, I think that technical director role is is more assigned to those rather than kind of first-team management, which the head coach, Unai Emery, would do. Um, to answer your first question, yeah, I mean, I think Emery was put in a bit of a tough position. We, we had a very uh, imbalanced squad. Um, Super top heavy with with awesome players like Lacazette, Aubameyang, Ozil, obviously a very inconsistent player, um, and then our back line is just like kind of decimated. With we had two major injuries, and I mean Mustafi is just like a gag reel, really. Um, but you know, so he was put in a tough position, and and what I do appreciate about Emery, which is a big difference from Wenger, is he adjusts tactically. Like, he tries to tinker with his tactics, which, yes, sometimes didn't work perfectly, but a lot of times it was exciting to see the team change, try something new, um, and play kind of like a high-press counterattacking style of football. Whereas with Wenger, you had a... You play the Arsenal way, or... And if you lose playing the Arsenal way, you weren't playing the Arsenal way well enough. So it's a completely different style, um, but... Yeah, Emery needs a little bit more time, but I'm liking what he he saw we saw in the first season. I was particularly impressed uh, with the season overall. Honestly, I, I especially the first maybe sixty percent of the year, I thought they were, I mean, they were there. Um, I yeah, thought they I had that four two win against Tottenham. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, they they, they really <laughs> did good work. They did. You guys had to stick that, that in there. You guys were all <laughs> celebrating though. You were above us for what? Like, I don't know. How yeah, many hours? 48 hours. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I had a nice season-long cool. bet, too, that Arsenal wouldn't be in the top four with our friend and Arsenal fan. So, mm-hmm. you know, a little extra <laughs> $20 incentive for me. Yeah. So what are they uh, doing you know, now? They're not go. making any, any signings, it looks like. Yeah, well, we just, you know, money in the bank is always a problem at Arsenal. Huh. But I think the we have a new kind of negotiator, uh, Raul Sanelia. Spanish guy and he's uh he's he's doing some wheeling and dealing. I think he's trying doing like the the loan option to buy move or or the pay in and in installments over years. So I think he has a couple tricks up his sleeve. I wouldn't be surprised for a a, a surprise signing. What do you need? The what do you need summer. most right now? A center back, a starting center back, hands down. Um, we have some great young players like Reese Nelson who played in the Bundesliga. Um, and, and he got promoted to the first team this summer. So, okay, like, we could use a great winger um, to complete the trio up top, but uh, first things first, get a solid center back. What else? Favorite player is Guendouzi. I love him. <laughs> I love him so much. I love him too, man. He's, he's, he was quite a surprise last year. A lot of energy. What a, so fun to watch. What about uh, Mesut Ozil? Do you like him? Uh, well, I have an Ozil jersey. It's a couple seasons old now, but <laughs> he—I mean—he's a magical player. He—he uh, he can pull some stuff that you know not many other players in the world can pull. But 
does he fit into Emory's system? It's obviously that's a no. Um, there, there's that number ten position actually is kind of fading in world football in general. Felix, I'm sure you'll you'll agree. Um, so he probably won't fit into many squads, and he's he's not at his prime anymore, which is which is a shame because we saw some awesome moments with him um, in the Wenger years. But dude, or Real Madrid, he crushed it at Real Madrid. Yeah. Oh yeah. And for Germany, yeah, always. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yep. But well, we are uh, we are coming up on you know about a month away from the Premier League. It's a month today again because it's a game yeah, on yeah. the night. Yes. Yeah, we're all it anticipating is, and anxiously it is, waiting. It is, it is coming quick, <gasps> but um, you know, to wrap up with you guys, um, again, we appreciate you guys being on. Um, again, I wanted to say one goal that us. Um, go subscribe to the newsletter. Um, and on Twitter, guys. Any, any, yeah, and on Twitter. Um, anything you guys want to like, you know, say to our listeners, um, as far as you know, the newsletter or, or the stuff that you guys cover. Yeah, I mean, look, always open for feedback. That's what we're here for. I mean, we're trying to make it easier for guys to follow the U.S. men's national team. I think it's been, uh, it's been so many ups and downs recently. I mean, we truly think with the young guys getting in that you know we're on the upswing here. It's just, you know, we want to make sure everybody stays informed and actually gets to see all these guys as they develop abroad in different leagues. So, look, we're just, we're just trying to do our part and kind of building that community. So let us know if there's any feedback. Yeah, I think you yeah, and Jim talked say. on the interview that you guys did that there's no real good centralized source for that kind of information, and I think you're yeah, filling it. Yeah, I mean, you got the players playing all over the place, uh, and it's just like, how can you keep up with it you all? You can't. You can't. Unless... You subscribe to the newsletter. <laughs> there you go. There you, go. <laughs> you get there you it. Go. All right, Felix Rohan, thank you guys so much for joining us and, and letting us bomb questions at you for you know, the last 40 minutes. Uh, we really appreciate you guys and, and your insights. Anytime. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for having pleasure. us. Vamos a discussion. Uh, vamos a discussion. We are going to discuss. Here we go, Rooster and the Devil. The all right, We had to get together as the boys, just for the little last part of this party. Indeed. I like, I, like that you, I like that you started out in Spanish, because that's all I've seen the last 12 hours. Is Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jim, I mean, tell us where you are. I'm in San Juan, Puerto Rico for work, and uh, a lovely hotel. Thanks, work. Uh, but, yeah, that's where I come to you from, is a hotel in downtown San Juan. And... C- Carmelo Anthony owns a soccer team in Puerto Rico. Did you know that? I did not. Is it is it a USL side? I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe our fact checkers will finally look something up and tweet at us. Nobody's ever fact checked me, and I feel like that's yeah. like the scariest thing because I feel like sometimes you guys are like, "Oh yeah, Jim knows," and then I'll spew some bullshit, and then you guys are like, "Yeah, that sounds good," and then we just like <laughs> run with it like it's knowledge instead of getting fact checked. I mean, I'd say you, you've got like a ninety-five percent hit rate on knowledge-based facts. I feel like I'm ninety-five percent right, you know, most of the time. All right, so the listeners can know that there's a statistical. <laughs> Offset of about 5% on right. gym facts. It's 60% of the time, time, he's yes. right all the time. Sex right. Panther. So, Jimmy, you had some specific questions for us Tottenham fighters. I did. As Tottenham Hotspur fans, the whole Rooster and the Devil Network, Rooster fans, been 500 some days, and you guys have... 
two transfers across the line. Tell me about them, boys. Well, we got Jack Clark, little winger. Little little white boy skinny winger from uh, from Leeds. English boy. Um, and he's going right back to play under Bielsa, so... That's uh, that was technically the first deal of the two that was done, and only Spurs would have their first signing, and first season of any Premier League club in the history of the organized tournament to go without a signing for an entire year. And after 517 days, that signing does what? Doesn't even come in and play for the team. Goes right back to the loan club of uh, of Leeds. But he'll be playing under Bielsa and probably getting time. And he's only 18, so that's fine. And then we have Tangi Dembele. Uh, from Leon, and that is very, very exciting. But, Michael, what were your first impressions? Of Tangi? How do you feel? Of both of them, yeah. Are you excited about Jack at all, or no, you know, Jack, more I Tangi? No, Jack, I skeptical and, uh, you know, happy, of course, a young winger, talented young player, smart buy. Nothing wrong with the buy, but like you said earlier, it's just like, oh, I'm loaning him right back. Like, he could play. Yeah. Let him play. <laughs> Let him run out there. <laughs> but then uh, Tangi obviously is an amazing signing. Watching his highlights, the way that he possesses the ball in the midfield and his ability to carry it from defense to offense so efficiently and his ability to create on the offensive end. Oh. <sighs> you know? It's very exciting. Yeah. So. It's very exciting. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. Like that's what's shocking about his game is the the lurching and the and the quick movement fast. forward. Um so fast. And I hope that it translates to the Premier League. I, I worry that he overextends himself a little bit. Sometimes his style is really it's really aggressive, but it's it's a lot of fun to watch. Um so I hope he hasn't had a history of injuries and I think the other thing is when you look at why he signed, we talk about Pochettino and the impact that he has on the signing, um, and he cited that in his most recent, like, for, he did an interview, you know, with the French press, and then it was translated um, by some people, of course, like Reddit posted, but he talked about how Pochettino made an impact on him. Like, he, he believes that, that Pochettino is going to turn him into, you know, this this prime midfield specimen, and, and he will. Like, you can't hide in Pochettino's training regimen period. He pushes people really hard. They do like weekly checkups on the player for Pochettino. It's it's going to be great. It's going to be great if he, if he buys in. I know that he had some attitude problems. Um, was one of the commentaries from some people um, at past clubs in the lower divisions of the French League, but um, we'll see. Well, he's, it's exciting. I think it's a lot of money, though. He's, I mean, I he, he is young, so the maturity thing, you know, whatever issues he might have had at lower clubs, that can be a maturity thing, but you know, also, I think, you know, having, like, a, a quote-unquote elder statesman who's also, um, you know, a, fe- a, a, fellow, a fellow French international in Sissoko to be able to tell him, like, hey, like, that guy. Uh, to be able to have that guy already there in that Tottenham setup and be like, hey, listen, like, this is the real deal. Like, you know, I think that that goes a long way as well. It is, you know... Uh, you know, it's it's one thing to look at you know Pochettino and everything he's done the last couple of years. You know, the 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 team he's built, um, the players that he's molded, but also to hear it right from the players themselves, like, hey, this is you know, it's not just you know surface bullshit. Like, this is for real. He's he will make you better. Um, I think that you know goes a long way to recruiting as well. Fish out. 
For sure. So we're very excited as Spurs fans to actually have a, a signing to cheer about, and I hope they're not done. I do think that Erickson, that's kind of contingent upon Erickson being sold for any more big money signings, but we'll have to see. But anyway, Erickson, we, uh, I was just, as you were talking about Tangi, yeah. I was just so sad. I'd be very sad to see Erickson go. Well, I think it's 50-50. The, the, money, the money they're asking for him is astronomical. I'll be even astronomical. more sad to get him for free. Yeah, but the money they're asking is astronomical. Like I, I saw they were still asking for more than Chelsea just saw Eden, uh, sell, sold Eden Hazard for. And as good as Erickson is, he's not Eden Hazard. You know? He wants to leave, too, right? Well, and he, he didn't have a good season. I mean, like... Well, I mean, uh, not uh, to be fair, like he didn't have a good season for his standards, right? Like he had like a solid season, but not like you know what we're used to seeing from Christian Eriksen. And Agreed. I think that that hurt. Like I think that you know a team like Real Madrid is sitting there saying like, yeah, he's all right, but I'm not that paying. Yeah, I'm not paying. I'm not even sniffing that. Like there's. I don't know how good he is. I really don't. I, th- I think if they got seventy million for him, that would be. I would take that. I would take that, and he's ready to go, Wouldn't and he's going to leave on a free next year. This year, the year before his contract. <clears throat> I yeah, I'd probably take sixty five, sixty five, seventy. I don't know. It's it's. I, I think he's worth a lot to the team if he's in the team if for this next season, dude. Here's, uh, with this new signing, so, I mean, here here becomes so good. here becomes the question though, because he is like when if he's on like you know if he's there and he plays well, like he can be like an incredibly important cog. So let's say like they don't sell him in the summertime and they go into the fall and he comes back to form, right? Like you go back to the Christian Eriksen that you've seen the last couple of years and you're sitting there and he still wants to leave. Like now what are you accepting in January for he him? You won't want to leave if you're in the Premier League hunt though. He that's not true. Why? Wage packet. He's what, 26, 27? Yep. 17, yep. 17,000 euros a month is what I saw. So right? Oh, it's more than is that. 70? Is it 70? So, Someone look it up. Oh, it's more than that. I think they were all going to offer him two hundred. I thought they were going to offer him two hundred. Well, Harry, Harry is the highest, right? What's, what's Harry's? Harry's at the highest now Harry, at Tottenham. Harry's a little over two hundred at least. He's got to be like two fifty. I don't know. That seems Harry's seems, worth a lot, Jim. Oh, well, I know he's worth a lot. I'm just asking because I know that you know Tottenham has a very, like you know, a very established, yes. very structured wage packet system. And yep. Erickson, you know, at this stage in his career, and he's not like he hasn't been that player. 000. Yeah, he hasn't been that he, player, but like he like. Oh, that's not shit. Ninth for Erickson. paid pay, player on the team, though. Yeah, but like he. Yeah, that's insane. But you look at you turn around, he could be like you know. I mean, I, I, I like a player that who's not even like on the same page as him. Um, you know, skill wise, Jesse Lingard makes like one hundred and sixty thousand. At Manchester United, and that's and that has nothing. At United, yeah. Well, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, it has nothing to do with how good he is. It has to do with the the size of the club that he plays at. So if you're Eric, yes. if you're Erickson, you're sitting there at 27, 28 years old, and you're going in, and you're like, you know, this is probably the last. This is probably the, like the last big contract I'm going to get in my prime. Like, why wouldn't you want to make as much as you can? Tottenham's talking with him still too. They're not. Dude, I t- I totally I totally agree with you, Jim. Like. I I have no I have zero, and I I normally you know reactive. I have zero like apprehension or hatred towards Erickson for wanting to leave. Like, dude, yeah, you've been you've served us so well. It's been amazing. Like that deal with Ajax has has been unbelievable. So go get paid, dude. Wherever you need to go, get paid. Um, 
I feel kind of bad for him that he didn't have, honestly, if he would have had the season he had the year before, 2017-18, mm-hmm. um, he'd be, we'd be looking at 100 mil and he'd probably go to Real Madrid, no doubt. Yeah, hearing, he's an incredible player. I'm, I mean, there's still Juventus, Real rumors out there, so you never know. Juventus, and he Juventus might say, is running like, out of money. Like, literally, they're running, like, they don't have enough money to pay all these people. Like, so I mean, they've been. The- Ronaldo's wages are really cheap. Though. <laughs> did you, Jim? Did you see last episode? What are they? No, I. Uh, you should I, take a, a listen to that because this dude was sold on Syria being yes, being the top was. six and being the next most interesting league. Hey, I'm, I'm Inter just, and uh, AC Milan getting money. I'm Milan's just talking about like money. so. Like, there's an interesting article I read, and, and yeah. I, I I wish I could quote the source. Um, about so like Juventus recently has been the king of uh, quote unquote free agent signings, right? They just got uh, Aaron Ramsey um, for free from Arsenal. They just got Adrian Rabio for free from uh, PSG. He's a dick um, too. He could suck la- a dick. Last year they got Emery Chan um, from uh, Liverpool for free, and they said that the way that they're able to do like to bring those like players all in like. Because, um, I mean, all those guys could go get, you know, big wage packets somewhere. Um, the reason that they're all coming to Juventus is Juventus, like, is very specific about giving uh, giant wage packages, like, a lot of money. Um, plus, they are paying astronomical fees to the agents to make that happen. So, like, agents are, in turn, being like, hey, I want to make a lot of money. I'll drive my client to Juventus. That way I get paid as well. And they're, um, they've been able to do that recently, but uh, like at the end of the day, there's um, even though you're not spending money on transfers necessarily, and they have, you know, they, they spent like 90 million pounds on, or I'm sorry, euros on um, Higuain um, right after they sold Pogba back to Man United. Um, you know, they've spent money, but that, that doesn't change the fact that they're spending a ton of money on on tr- on wages and it, like at some point they're going to be off balance on the books when it comes to how much money they're paying out yearly in wages just to their players even though they're not doling out those transfer fees that they um they've been linked to and you know I think that's the reason that's the whole reason that um uh delight you know from or delict how you pronounce it from uh yep. from IX hasn't gone over like he's already agreed to personal terms because Juventus gave him the fucking world as far as personal terms for a 19 year old but they're still negotiating the transfer fee because Juventus literally is running like they don't have the money <laughs> to make the fees happen the old lady's broke well they're not broke I mean there's they've they've done everything they could to stretch themselves and they're dominating the Italian league they really, 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 really want that Champions League. That's the whole reason when he got Ronaldo. Um, so I mean, with I mean that I that was a whole digress there. Yeah. But you, you get the idea. Juventus that there's tangent. There there's a certain breaking point to some of these wage packets and how many good players you can get. You know who's great at Juventus? Who? You know who? I don't know who. Tell me. Zlatan, Zlatan. Oh yes. For the, like two years. Uh, who's that? Yeah. Is that AC Milan too? And Inter. And Inter. Yeah, he's fucking mercenary. He's. <laughs> I fucking love that, him. Michael retweeted or sent me something today that was like. That, <laughs> what was he talking that, about? That man? video where he was like, he's like, I've won more trophies than everyone in MLS combined. <laughs> yes. Yes. 
It's so good. It's so vintage. He, like the then, most arrogant human was, being, but somehow endearing. And then he said he put, he put three of his teammates into comas, and he broke up the yeah. line. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize to the ambulance. To the ambulance. <laughs> yeah, I made them work. Oh. I came here for a couple of things to relax. <laughs> if if you haven't watched so the full... The full YouTube video, and it's the highest rated one if you just search his name, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. It is so good. He's an incredible player. It really is. Fun to watch yeah. and crazy in the head. And he talks about being crazy in the video. It's quite funny. He is so funny in interviews. Like, he just riffs. <laughs> Wherever he wants to go, he's just constantly riffing. Yes. I mean, he opened up a, a one-pager in the L.A. Times when he, when he <laughs> One sentence. It. Dear L.A., you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, Zlatan. You're welcome. <laughs> so unbelievable. It's brilliant. How can you not love that? Oh, he's like gosh. a marketing genius. I, 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 will, really I will really miss yeah. him when he's gone. I, I truly will miss him when he's not playing because there's, there's very few... He might play in L.A. till he's 45. He, he could, though, too. I hope he does. Yeah, I, I hope he does, too. I mean, he, there's very few, like... Characters like that, well, like, like Balotelli. everyone, everyone knows objectively he's a fucking douchebag. But it's so like he's so good, and it's so funny that he's so good and says that stuff that it doesn't matter. He can say whatever he wants. Like he played for United, which is cool. Yeah. Did you uh, when he signed for United? There was a picture that he had like a like a portrait he had painted of him as an angel as an angel like locking hands with the devil like that's genius it it's is it's, it's it's so good like the whole quote of you know uh you know li- lions don't compare themselves to the sheep like just like it's, <laughs> it's truly it amazing it was a Sweden international, Swedish. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude, and, he, and the most amazing goal like ever is that bicycle the overhead. Goal, yeah. I remember seeing bicycle it in the goal. World you Cup. should you should look up his like you, like uh, I recommend this to everybody who's uh, who actually listens to us. Uh, just Wikipedia page Zlatan because like he has like a crazy like background. Like he uh, his dad was a Bosnian Muslim and his mom was. I can't remember from where, but she was like Christian, and they immigrated to Sweden, and that's where he, like he was right. Like it's. We should have a full Zlatan episode. I'm so down. Yeah. A full one. I'm so I mean, down. If, we, if we had a Gareth Bale episode, we absolutely have to have a Zlatan episode. Like that's yeah. dude. It has to I'm be down, bad. and we and we need to link out the uh, the YouTube video I'm talking about because you will just appreciate this man for his. Why don't you jump Just on the Twitter account, Brad, for once in your life and God damn. Hey, I've done it a couple times, but I will get back on that. Oh, good. All right, good. so we should get to rants if there are any for this week, though, yeah? Uh, yeah. I've got a rant. Go ahead, Michael. Go ahead. All right. For the first time in my life, I know what the fuck's going on in Lamar uh, Hunt's U.S. Open Cup. Yes. There are eight teams left. Two of them are USL squads, New Mexico and St. Louis. So, casually root for them in the background of your searchings is all I'm asking. Go USL. That's it. I like it. I like it a lot. Yep. Um, I wanted to, uh, like on Sunday, I took my daughter to uh, Kalamazoo FC um, uh, game. They play in the same uh, same league as Grand Rapids FC, which I know uh, Brad has brought up here on the podcast before. 
um, you know, uh, semi-pro side uh, located where I live. Um, and my friend Jake, who is an assistant coach there, just got a job with uh, Houston Dynamo as a youth coach. So I just wanted to say congratulations to him. I uh, I talked to him. I hope that we can get him on in the next couple weeks here um, to talk about, you know, that sort of stuff. So um, not a rant, but just a shout-out. And, um, yeah. Nice. Shout-out, Jake. Well, uh, I don't have too much other than uh, it's great to see Mauricio Pochettino back on the training pitch. I was so happy. The kids are coming out. It's it's like it's like spring. It feels like spring in only Michigan. One month. It's just only one month away, and the players are reporting. And I'm just I can't wait. Can't wait for this year. Um, and then secondly, go to a game. Go to if you have a Premier League team you like or an MLS team you you like. Go to a game. Go do it. Put fifty dollars in the bank for a year, and then plan the trip and go and do it because um, you won't regret it. Hopefully, most of you, most of you are in towns where you're, it's actually close nearby. Um, but it's it's worth every penny, and it's worth saving for. It's like a fourth of your car payment. That's my soapbox. Oh, I was just say no, no. You go ahead. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm. My comment. My comment. I want. I want my card. I want my co- uh, comments to be a hard cut right at the end of my comments. So go ahead and say what you want to say. <laughs> Cardiff is playing, I think, New Mexico USL squad in the states for their little preseason warm up. That'd be epic. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, maybe a couple times ago. It's pretty exciting. That's it, Jimmy. I'm really glad that Man United signed Aaron Juan Basaka. Soccer 